the knowns, the known knowns, the known unknowns, the unknown unknowns. What exactly do we know? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain podcast. do love our conventional wisdom. And we like to think that, given enough resources and expertise, we can see what lies ahead. Too bad that's not the case. Global businesses are constantly being caught by surprise by political upheavals, economic crises, and diplomatic disasters. Could they have foreseen them? An article in the spring 2015 issue of the World Policy Journal addresses that very question. It's called Conventional Wisdom and the Next Unknown, and its authors are Jack Devine and Amanda Mattingly, President and Senior Director, respectively, of the Arkin Group. Amanda, who is a former Foreign Affairs Officer at the State Department, is with us today to talk about the article. We discuss the apparent inevitability of the unexpected. It wouldn't be called that if we knew it was coming. But she also offers some tips on how companies can reduce the element of surprise in business planning. We'll never know the future, but maybe we can do a better job of preparing for it. So here is my conversation with Amanda Mattingly. Amanda Mattingly, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Must we accept the inevitability of intelligence and forecasting failures? Are unknowns always going to be with us? Bob, yes, I have to say that unfortunately, despite our best efforts, there will always be unknowns in the intelligence business. This is something that we come to accept as part of you know, part of our look around the world. Um, often we rely on conventional wisdom, and often that pans out, and that's fine. But there's always the event that's going to get us, um, catch us by surprise, and in some cases, perhaps get us caught flat footed. And that's what I think is most important to always be keeping in mind as we look around the world and look at changing dynamics. We need to think creatively and imaginatively about other possible scenarios. I hate to use the cliched phrase, but think outside the box. You know, what might happen with Russia? What's going to happen in China? Um, You know, will the Venezuelan government limp along or is Maduro going to fall? I mean, these are the sorts of questions that need to be asked and asked daily because, as I said, conventional wisdom of, okay, we'll just sort of go along is, is not always going to be the case. Well, I want to ask you for some guidance on that in a moment. But first of all, just to give us an idea of what is an unknown, can you give me a few examples of recent unknowns that really did catch us flat-footed? I'd say the Arab Spring. I mean, I think that that's one of the biggest examples, um, particularly the case of Egypt when Mubarak fell in 2011. I think that that caught many companies and many governments off um, off guard and, and a lot of companies that did not have the necessary crisis management plan in place. They did not have the intelligence systems in place. They did not have partners on the ground to understand 
what it meant when President Mohamed Morsi came to power following Mubarak's fall. And then again, later, they didn't know what, what was going to happen when Morsi fell. And now we have al-Sisi in government in Egypt. That, I think, for me, is just a really a recent and clear example of an unknown and um, and a lot of, again, governments and corporate entities were not ready to deal with that. They didn't know what it meant if a, if their company was going to be renationalized. There were a lot of court cases that came uh, as a result when Morsi came to power after Mubarak fell. So that was just such a, such a clear example of not understanding the operating environment and not adequately preparing or having the intelligence networks to to make sound business decisions. Yeah, and in the Middle East, too, a lot of people feel that they were caught by surprise by the sudden or what they considered to be the sudden emergence of ISIS, the Islamic State, and uh, were quite surprised by the power it had in its initial months of activity. Yes, I I think that is another very good example. Um, I, I do think that the Islamic State, um, as we said, as I've said in a recent article, you know, may well have reached a high watermark. And I do want to caution against the, you know, the power of the media to create such demons. I think for us, I mean, obviously the Islamic State is is a barbaric entity that must be stopped. And I do think many people were caught off guard in its rise. But again, it's so important for companies and for governments, of course, obviously, but it's so important for companies to understand the operating environment and the dynamics and what gave rise to to an entity a terrorist group like the Islamic State and and to know really what the risks are. And again, as I think one of the ways to help mitigate the risk is by having the external intelligence networks in place so that you know what's going on on the ground and you have trusted, vetted sources who can help you to understand what this really means, so that you're not just relying on the media to understand the markets in which you're seeking to invest in or already invested in. Yeah, but every time one of these so-called unknowns happens, everybody takes out their Monday morning quarterbacking capabilities and talks about how how it could have been avoided or how we could have known about it if only we had done X, Y, or Z. So the implication is always that in theory, at least, there are no true unknowns if we were only sufficiently prepared for them. And yet, at the same time, must we also not accept that there are things that are going to happen that no matter how good our intelligence is, how good we are at predicting things, we're still going to be caught by surprise? Yes. I'm, unfortunately, I do think that's true. I think we are going to be caught by surprise. I, you know, I think if you look around the globe and let's say you have a handful of scenarios, so you look at the Middle East, you look at Russia, you look at China – Latin America, by and large, the conventional wisdom what's, will play out, by and large. But there is always going to be a scenario that won't, and that's what's going to catch you by surprise. And I, I know that um, the inevitability of that and the sort of looking back retrospectively, it seems like, oh, well, we should have known that the Islamic State would rise, as an example, or we should have known about the September 11th attacks. Yes. I do think that when we look back and we start to put the put the pieces together, it seems often like we should have known. But I but I think that as I said, there's a certain inevitability in surprises. I mean, especially now in the case of 
growing use of social media, the potential for social unrest is greater. The potential for a political fall of a government that, you know, yesterday we would have thought would stay for another 20 years. I mean, that is possible now in this age of sort of multimedia, social media, social media groups rising very quickly. I think that we are likely to see even more surprises. And again, can we avoid the surprises altogether? I don't think so. But what we can do is prepare for the unknown situation by having crisis management plans in place, by having sources on the ground that you can work with, by having um, trusted partners in a region who can help negotiate through political turmoil, who can help, um, you know, a, a company and a government for that matter, but help a company navigate through political uncertainty or social unrest. How do we get employees out? How do we halt operations? I mean, all those sorts of questions that are critical to businesses. Um, I think if, if there is a if there is sufficient in, intelligence networks and partners in place on the ground, then you're able to react quickly to those surprises. Yeah, conventional wisdom works for a while, though, doesn't it? I mean, it's fine as as it is, but then at some point we need to know when to depart from it, when to reject it, or when to start coming up with creative alternatives to it. And I guess the trick there is when to walk away from conventional wisdom. Right. Yes, you make such a good point. It's a fine line between, okay, well, the situation seems to be humming along, so you know we don't need to we don't need to worry about it. But I would argue that we always need to be looking at other potential imaginative scenarios. I don't think that we can simply assume that the conventional wisdom will pan out. As I said, in one of the, in one scenario at least, it will not. So I think that it's a constant process of questioning the conventional wisdom. I think that you need to have good analysts who have good sourcing on the ground and and particularly if and when you've got a trusted, vetted, on-the-ground source who's telling you otherwise, then that's when you really need to step away from the conventional wisdom and you need to even perhaps enact a plan, uh, a crisis management plan, or, you know, even potentially an evacuation plan, even preempt a situation. And, you know, a lot of companies and even governments, as I said, are shy to do that. They want things to keep continue on. But again, that's when you can get caught out. And so I think that the line is difficult. I agree. But I do believe that if you've got good internal and external sources that are on the ground who are giving you advice, then you're in a much better position to react to a a rapidly developing scenario. And which in the emerging markets today is very likely that the scenario will, will unfold rather quickly. And you know, it's much better as a corporate entity to have the systems in place to react quickly than to be, you know, blindsided by a certain situation. And, you know, it's just not okay for a company to assume that the same legal frameworks or the same law enforcement or even potentially commercial codes are going to be there to protect them in the way that they're used to perhaps in, in you know, when they're operating in a country like the United States. It's just not the same in the, in the, emerg- in the emerging markets and in many, many countries around the world. Well, let's talk about the nature of these on-the-ground sources from a business perspective, because if you're a government, if you're a government or if you're in the State Department, as you have been, you have access to certain 
avenues of intelligence, either covert or otherwise, that will help you to guide your perception of particular trouble spots around the world. If you're a business, you don't necessarily have access. In fact, you don't have access to those same sources. It's got to be your own people that can't necessarily be covert. So to what extent can a business actually place people on the ground in these some of these trouble spots? Who are these people? How are they functioning? You know, um, what kind of expertise should they have? What is the nature of an on-the-ground person for a business organization as opposed to a government? Right. A very good question, Bob. Thank you for asking that. Because I think that there's a misconception that corporate entities don't have access to intelligence. They do. It's not the same intelligence as you know, what the U.S. government relies on. They're different sources. Of course, these companies don't have access to classified information. No, that is true. But they do have access to intelligence networks, internal and external networks that often companies don't seek to exploit or, in some cases, don't don't necessarily value the investment just yet. Sometimes companies will, will certainly value the investment after something's gone wrong, and then they'll want to sort of try to go back and, and do things over in a different way. But really, it's about developing you know, perhaps either on the inside, something in-house, a system in-house to gather information or to rely on external intelligence consultants, really. There are many groups that can, including the Arkin Group, where I work, where we develop external networks all over the globe. There are people who are former intelligence officers, there are former law enforcement, there are journalists, there are freelancers, there are industry insiders, there are observers, all sorts of different people across the globe who have points of access, and they're, and the key is to have them on the ground. It doesn't do you any good if you've got a, you know, a, um, a Russian friend in New York when your operation is, you know, outside of Moscow. You need someone outside. You need someone there. You can't, you can't develop, You can't just rely upon either the Economist or the Wall Street Journal or your friend that's that you know in New York. You actually have to have people who are on the ground. And there are consultancy groups like ours who can help you develop those networks and also help you develop your internal networks, leverage the executives or the employees that you have across the globe and, and harness that information so that you can start putting putting the pieces together and, and you know, doing your own predictive analysis. But But in some cases, I will say that the internal intelligence networks as good as they can be and harnessed correctly and effectively, um, you, you can really get a lot of very good information. But, but in, some, in some cases, company employees, you know, they know a lot about developing or producing, supplying their own whatever widget it is that they market. But they don't know a lot about the social dynamics or the politics or, or in some cases, the economics. I mean, imagine in, within a company you've got executive employees and, and they're bouncing around from market to market and in various positions. So it's not often enough to just rely on their information. You, you really do need to, to develop an external network capability through perhaps consultants who specialize in political risk analysis and can give you good business intelligence. And, the, and just to clarify, Bob, business intelligence definitely on the industry in which you know, company is operating, but also the political economic risk analysis and intelligence on the company or the market in which they're operating. Yeah. Do you think sometimes that some companies depend too heavily on expats, uh, that their own people in foreign countries, as opposed to 
seeking on the ground people who are actually nationals, who are actually conversant with that culture as opposed to a foreigner who sees it through a certain lens? Yes, I do. I see that often. I see that um, happen in lots of instances. One instance that comes to mind recently has, has been Venezuela. I mean, there are a lot of Venezuelans who have left, and, and they, they will tell you what's going on, but, you know, they're not there anymore. So it's very difficult to, to I think, for people to make sound, have sound insight or make good analysis when they're basing information on, uh, from individuals who have, who have long since gone. The same thing happens, I think, with Iran people, I think even governments, I mean, I, I would say even our U.S. Euro, US government has relied on expats or people who are here. And often their, their agenda can be very different from, from you know, either a corporate entities or, or a government's agenda. And so to rely on, on individual sources or expat sources, people who are away from, from the political economic environment in which you're looking at, I think can be very dangerous. And I think that's also, that's when you can also fall into sort of groupthink or the conventional wisdom and believe a certain line of thinking that, that in fact is not really the case. But there's sort of a distressing irony, isn't there? Because governments themselves do have access, once again, to covert intelligence, and yet they constantly get it wrong, too. As you point out in some of these unknowns you describe, the United States, with what I would consider, I would hope, would be a vast, effective, global intelligence network, time and again gets it wrong. So they themselves are just as susceptible to the lure of conventional wisdom as anybody else. The U.S. government, sure. There have been intelligence failures. There's no doubt about that. And there have been surprises, for sure. And yes, amid, you know, a, a as you say, a vast intelligence network. Yes, I mean, as we said from the outset, there will be some surprises. Unfortunately, it is inherent in the business. But again, having the people on the ground, having sources, having advice, being able to aggregate and triangulate information is so important. You cannot rely on just one source. It's not enough to read, as I said, it's not enough to read The Economist or The New York Times and feel like you have it and you understand what's going on. You really do need to develop the capability on the ground. And, and just to be clear, I mean, obviously, there are the, the, the very difficult and thorny and dangerous scenarios that are possible that could threaten a corporate entity or, let's say, a you know, an executive of, of a multinational. There are some very difficult situations and possible scenarios that could unfold. But there's also just the mundane sort of, okay, who do I talk to within the Ministry of the Interior or the Ministry of Transportation? I need permitting for this or that. Or, you know, who, who should I send, who should my country manager send, an, uh, you know, a national day message to? I mean, certain, these are the sort of benign, almost mundane elements that also require partners on the ground, intelligence sources, people who can, who know who's who, who can, you know, tell you what's going on within the, within the country and within the government and, and help you to be more savvy and help you to understand the country or the market in which you're, in which you're um, working and operating. Um, and, and that can be equally as important in terms of predicting the course 
of a nation or predicting potential risks. And again, you know, we've talked a lot about risks, Bob, but there are a whole lot of opportunities out there. And I think it's equally as important for us to, you know, utilize these intelligence networks, not just predict the un the unknown, you know, negative, but to see the unknown positive and the potential and the opportunity that exists. Yeah, nobody talks about the idea that the unknown might actually be a good thing. Right, exactly. And you know what? It can. It certainly could be in many in many markets. Well, I guess the scary part is, and I don't mean to get too Rumsfeldian on you here, uh, but this concept <laughs> of the unknown unknown, the things we don't even know we don't right. know, that requires right. some sort of creativity. And I wonder if, if you folks at the Arkin Group sit around sometimes and just completely blue sky scenarios just out of nowhere in hopes that you'll hit upon something that might actually happen. <laughs> well, we do. We do that often, yes, of course, because we're, con- we're hired to think, think creatively and think strategically and uh, using, using our best analysis and grounded in intelligence, of course. That's our operating assumption. Um, but yes, of course, we're always looking at potentially, well, what if, you know, the cascading reality, like if, the, if A happens, then B, or, you know, what happens if, if this government falls? And what does it look like if a, new, if a new president comes to power here? Or what does it look like if there's a social unrest there? I mean, we're always doing that for sure. And again, we're hoping to give good analysis and sound advice to our clients to help them head off the threats and avoid, you know, mitigate their risks and take advantage of those opportunities that, as they arise as well. So, yes, that's something we're doing all the time, for sure. Now, real quick, the article in the World Policy Journal that you co-authored on conventional wisdom and the next to unknown, you run down some of the trouble spots, some of the areas of the world where we have seen the most most problems emerging, Middle East, Russia, China, and you even throw in a few uh, in addition to that, such as Venezuela, which you mentioned also. Right. I'm wondering if you could tell me, in your opinion, what do you believe are, going forward, the biggest trouble spots or potential sources of future unknowns that businesses ought to be paying special attention to? Uh, Thank you for asking that. I think that's a good question. I mean, obviously, we talk about Russia and China in our article. Um, This is an article that I wrote with uh, Jack Devine, who's the president of the Arkin Group, and he's um, over 30 years in the the CIA um, of of intelligence experience. So, again, this is something that we do all the time is look at these hotspots. In terms of what what do I think is something that we should be looking at or, or businesses should be looking at, I mean, there is a temptation to to you know focus on the middle east and what's going what's going on with isis what's going on with in egypt what's going on with iran there is the temptation there's lots of fear around pakistan and what that means to have instability there um of course after years of being stung by war in afghanistan and iraq there is just an overwhelming sort of almost knee-jerk reaction and maybe hyper focus on the middle east and I'm not saying that I think that that will continue to be a troubled spot. There's there's very little that I think indicating that we won't be looking at the Middle East. But in terms of other areas, I really think that um, that Latin America, for me, is such an area of opportunity. And there's, sure, some potential risks 
as well. But I do think that it's an area that we don't look at enough. And the risk in terms of organized crime and corruption in Mexico and also in in Brazil are, are things that we need to be paying more attention to. And then again, you know, the unknowns in the positive sense, I think that we're missing a lot of good opportunities in Latin America as we're so focused on other areas of the world. I am a Latin American, so I'm a little bit biased, but <laughs> but I do think that that's an area that we should be looking at as well. Well, I'm glad we kind of are able to end this on a somewhat positive note. But um, Amanda Mattingly, I want to thank you so much for helping us to make the unknown just a little bit less unknown and to help us understand how we can cope with the future in that way. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate it. It's a fascinating discussion and a really interesting topic, and I'm always happy to talk about it. That was my conversation with Amanda Mattingly of the Arkin Group, talking about how global business can cope with the great unknown. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.